Hi, everyone. This is Sarah McFarland from Inside Scientific, the online environment for life science webinars, virtual events, interviews, and educational content that helps you do your best work. Today's episode of Expert Answers features Dr. Dee Silverthorne, a distinguished teaching professor of physiology at the University of Texas at Austin. Dee joined us for the third webinar in a four-part series on teaching anatomy and physiology, where she discussed how the sudden appearance of the global pandemic of COVID-19 provided a unique opportunity to show students science in action as researchers and healthcare professionals around the world scrambled to understand the virus and its effects on the human body. Let's dive in. Why are young children less susceptible to COVID-19? Well, this is another one of, we don't know. I've seen three different theories floated. One has to do with their immune systems, which I'm not sure is the right answer. There is some evidence showing that they do not have as many ACE2 receptors on the surface of their cells. But the one that I found most interesting is that the uh, SARS-CoV-2 is primarily an upper respiratory infection. And a lot of it is from exposure to the nasal cavity and the sinuses. And it turns out that children don't really have fully a fully developed sinus system until they're about 12 years old. And so it could simply be that they don't have the surface area to be invaded and therefore that is making them less susceptible. Okay. I mean, that does make a lot of sense. We're getting a ton of questions flooding in, so bear with me while I pick the next one. Okay, so this question is, what is causing the loss of taste and smell in COVID-19? The issue of taste, I think no one has quite figured out, and it could simply be related to the loss of smell. There was some question about whether it was actually affecting the olfactory neurons, but it turns out the olfactory neurons don't have ACE2 receptors. What does have significant number of ACE2 receptors are the sustentacular support cells in the olfactory epithelium. And the maintenance of the neurons requires functioning support cells. And so when the support cells go down, the neuron function goes down and they, the neurons actually lose their cilia. And in, in most cases, it, it will resolve after the infection. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. The next question here is, do you spread this topic over a couple weeks or and do you incorporate it into various organ systems when you teach it? I have been doing it sort of piecemeal where we do a little bit up front. As I said, I introduce because we don't do immunology, I introduce the virus and a little bit about the different types of immune cells at the beginning and then I generally pop it into whatever the system is. But as you can tell, particularly the respiratory system. Right. That makes sense. Okay. The next question here is from Scott. He's asked, well, it's kind of a long question, so I'll read it out. When the mRNA vaccine is given and taken up by muscle cells, the muscle cell supposedly puts the spike protein that was made on its membrane attached to MHC1 molecules. This activates cytotoxic T cells. Do these cytotoxic T cells attack the muscle cell that had the MHC1 molecule? 
Good question. I don't know. I'm wondering, you know, thinking it through, given that one of the side effects is muscle aches and such. So it's possible. I would think that it was possible. I thought that the, yes, it is activating the cytotoxic, but I thought the main function was to try and get the B cells up and turning out antibody. So good question. As I said, I don't teach immunology and I'm, it's not my field. I don't know the answer. Okay. We have another question here. In which scenario do you use the SARS-CoV-2 material? So is it like a seminar on pathophysiology? Do you integrate it with other physiology symptoms or in little bits and pieces into your physiology classes? I do it in bits and pieces. As I said at the beginning, I have those icons that I use. And then as we come up upon something that's relevant, I will pop it into the the normal physiology. We also are fortunate to have discussion or tutorial sessions, one hour discussions and tutorials. So we're able to give students uh, some work on group assignments in there, for instance, one about masking and having them look at the some of the papers, the observational papers on the efficacy of masking and critique them. And so we can do it both in the big lecture class as well as in these one-hour tutorials. Great. And we do have time for a couple more questions, if that's okay with you, Dee. So I'll move on to the next one. This question, is there evidence that introducing COVID-related material makes students more motivated to approach studying physiology in the integrated manner that you've described? I don't know of any evidence. I mean, it's completely anecdotal, but I know my students seem to be more interested in learning the basics because then it helps them understand what's going on in the world around them. But I don't know of anybody that's uh, actually done a formal study of this. Right. I mean, that that does make sense. Getting them excited about a topic that's relevant to them would probably interest them more. And our last question here is what eye cells or tissue has ACE2 receptors? Pigmented epithelial cells, which are epithelial cells, rod and cone photoreceptors, and the Mueller glial cells. So that's where you find it. I have I don't remember hearing anything about complications related to the eyes. So okay. somebody else may know that, but I, I don't remember that being a a primary problem. I think the vasculature and the heart are the main complications that have been cropping up that people are interested in. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Expert Answers and that you'll tune in to future episodes where researchers just like you answer questions about their work, offer tips, tricks, and best practices, but most of all, share science. Don't forget to subscribe.